Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing James 1. You know we've been going through James, and it just so happened to coincide with one of my favorite verses of all time. This is a verse that um, we find in James 1.17, and I'd like to orient you towards that verse, and it's going to fit so nicely with the morning that we are celebrating, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so James 1.17 says this, every good gift Every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Let's let that sink in for a minute. Every good gift. And every perfect gift is from above and it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation and no shadow of turning. This is the part of the morning where I get to, uh, to either detach from what I'm feeling or not. And I don't want to. I'm overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And when we think of the word good here, this is a word that speaks of the intrinsic goodness of God. God in, like, his nature is good, whether it's seen or not. God is good. Now, the word perfect here, it can, um, it can trip us up a little bit, can't it? Especially when we try to put ourselves in a place of, like, um, assessment. Like, am I perfect? No. There's only one who's perfect. And yet God's gifts to us, they're good and they're perfect. So there's only one who's perfect, and that is God in the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and his gifts to us are perfect. And yet there's a way for us to apply both of these words, goodness and perfection. Not that we would aspire in some kind of like self-help program to become a better version of ourselves apart from God. We're simply receiving the intrinsic nature of Christ We're simply allowing the Holy Spirit to bear fruit in our lives. And this is a process that we go through. And so in this scripture, even as we've read in James 1, and we'll look at verses 2 to 4, we understand that there's something of a perfecting that's happening in our lives. And this word is actually related to maturing. It's going through the necessary stages to reach an end goal. What is the end goal? Well, 
Well, specifically, when it comes to the completeness of Christ that's in you, your hope of glory, this process of being perfected, it's being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's allowing what is most true about you in the deepest place of your spirit, united with the spirit of Christ, to shine. And some of the stuff that gets in the way of that just needs to go through a process, doesn't it? And that's why um, it's echoed in James 1, verses 2 to 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is being tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfected and complete. Nothing needed. Everything given to us is from the Father in heaven, the Father of lights, and it is a gift. Even those difficult things, right? Those circumstances and challenges that help us mature and are part of the process of us being perfected into the image of Christ, they're they're all gifts. So everything from the Father is a gift. Now enter God's only begotten Son. Jesus, he's both good and perfect, right? I mean, and this is John 3.16 as we've read it, probably one of the first verses many of us memorized when we were a little kid, right? But I want to read past 16 and go into 17 as well. For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. Hallelujah. So who is this man, Christ Jesus? He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. This is Colossians 1.15. He is the living expression, the word of truth. John 1.1 tells us that in the beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They together, face to face, in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things For nothing has existed apart from him. A fountain of life was in him. And for his life is light to all humanity. And this light never fails to shine through darkness. Light that darkness could not overcome. This is the man Christ Jesus. So to sum it up, Jesus is God. And in God, there is no variation or shadow of turning. Um, I heard this word. It was uh, something that was brought to me years ago. It was the word haplus. And I'd never heard that word. And and it was a word that comes from the marketplace. If you, haplus, haplus. If you think about, if you were, walking through the busy streets, the marketplace, and you found a fabric, 
like a, a blanket or a cloth that you were going to use for clothing uh, from a weaver. <laughs> you would ask that weaver to show me that cloth, haplus, which means take one corner and open it up to the other corner and spread it out full so that there's no hidden folds. Because there might be a flaw in there and a crafty weaver (laughs) might hide that flaw from you. God is haplus. There's no hidden folds. There's no craftiness in God. There's no shadow of turning. In other words, we worship a Christ like God. Let it sink in. He is immutable, which means he does not mutate from one expression to another. So allow me to step headfirst into a common misconception of the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. There is a common theology that God the Father sacrificed his only begotten Son, Jesus, on the cross of Calvary. There's a crux here for us. It's in the idea that God is both a humble servant and violent. Listen to Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, Jesus Christ, God reconciled everyone to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. God did not kill his human son Jesus on the cross to satisfy his anger. No, God in Christ allowed himself to be killed by his human sons, the sons of disobedience. Some of you might say, well, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you could point to that and say, see there, look, there's Christ, the Son, being forsaken by God the Father. And I would say, no. This is Jesus orienting every listener who is in earshot of his cry to Psalm 22. They didn't have the numbers next to their verses. What they had was the opening phrase of a psalm that they had memorized since they were children. And when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's orienting everyone to a lament of King David in Psalm 22, which begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And continues on, and I'll pick it up in verse 16. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones They look and they stare at me and they divide my garments among them. And my clothing they cast lots for. But you, oh God, you're not far off. You are my help. Hasten to my assistance. And then it goes down into verse 23. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, 
glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Now, he has turned his face because he does not hide his face from him. And when he cried for his help, God heard. Can you get it around your heart and your thoughts that it was God himself on the cross willing to die and enter into what we call Holy Saturday? You guys know what Holy Saturday is, right? I mean, this is the day yesterday. We had Good Friday and then Holy Saturday, and now it's Resurrection Sunday. What happened on Saturday is profound. We don't typically like to dwell too much on Saturday because we want to hasten our, you know, Sunday. But I'm telling you what, it was for this reason that God in Christ chose to die at the hands of evildoers. It was so that he could descend into hell and forever defeat Satan and his associates. Come on. Listen to Jesus in Revelation 1.18. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. This is why Jesus died. This is why God in Christ chose to allow himself to suffer at the hands of evildoers, of the sons of disobedience, so that he could redeem and rescue us. Remember John 3, 16 and 17. He came to save us and to rescue us. And as we studied last week, Jesus is the one who overcame the temptation of Satan to use violent force to establish his kingdom on the earth. But everybody wanted Jesus Barabbas, who was a leader in the insurrection against Rome. They wanted violence. I don't know what it is. Why do people like an angry God? Maybe it's to justify their own anger. Oh, now I'm meddling. Jesus, the humble servant, is, in fact, the true likeness of the invisible God. Philippians 2 encourages us to consider the example of Jesus, the anointed one he has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, and yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was the perfect example, even in his death a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness and has now, he has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone 
will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is the Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father, the Father of lights. We have reason to celebrate, friends. And so we're going to do that through this common union, the Lord's Supper. I'm going to draw from the experience we had at Passover on Friday night, which was delightful. Thank you for all who were there, and thank you for all who helped, Tiffany, especially you. There's a portion in here that I gave Bob to read, and he's like, man, that was kind of a lot, and I'm not sure I know how to pronounce all these words. It was fun because we all got to have a little snicker at each other because I hadn't led a a Passover Seder. I'm used to Tom leading it for us. We missed you, buddy. But there's a third cup, the cup of redemption, that I'd like to read from this. The Lord's Supper is a covenant meal. Remember that Jesus, Yeshua, at his last Passover said, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Messiah was ministering covenant oneness and unity in the Passover meal. In his prayer in the garden after the supper, Yeshua said, And the glory which you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfect in unity, that the world may know that you did send me. That's John 17. 22 through 23. When we partake of this meal, this communion, not only do we enter into common union with God, but as a body, as a fellowship, we enter into common union with each other. Listen to Paul as he explains how to partake of this communion meal. For I receive from the Lord that which I am delivering to you now. That the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke that bread, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of, of me. Yeshua then took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day that I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom, Matthew 26. Now, I thought it would be fun, and I asked for some slides, because what I would like for us to do is before I have the worship team come back up, I thought it'd be fun for us to recite the blessings, the blessing for the bread and the blessing for the wine, okay? Now, if we could get that first slide up, can you see that? I don't know if you can see that, but we're going to be hooked on phonics here. (laughs) And if you know this, and and you may know it sung a little bit differently, we're going to sing this. This is the blessing that Jesus and his disciples may have sang, or maybe they said it, I don't know. And maybe you learned it a different pace, a different speed, a different, you know, way. I'm just going to... Try it. And then after we sing this part, the next slide's going to be in English, and we're going to say that all together. I hope we can do that part at least, okay? (laughs) 
バルガタアドナイエロヘヌマラカオロハモツレケメンアレツアメン Next slide, please. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the earth. And now the blessing of the cup. Barukata Adonai, Eloheinu Malekaholam, Bore Prihagafen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. As we gather at this table, we not only remember, but we reassert our allegiance to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We not only enter into his death and his burial, we also enter into the power of his resurrection and the authority of his ascension. Jesus, we thank you for these. Elements, we thank you that they are blessed and they represent for us the entirety of your sacrifice, your obedience, your humility, your servanthood, and ultimately your rescue, your redemption, and the restoration of all things. And so, Lord, as we enter the, into this as your body, we have common union with you and with one another by your Holy Spirit. In your name, Christ, I pray this. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Emmaus Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, Visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.